more than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk with adaptive wear designer Izzy Camilleri. When it comes to creating great fashion, there are usually two motivating forces for designers to make garments that make us look and feel more beautiful and to make garments that help make our lives easier. Toronto's Izzy Camilleri certainly does both, but helping make people's lives easier has become her greatest mission. A seasoned ready-to-wear designer, Izzy began making custom garments for film and TV in the late 80s, drawing on her expert pattern-making skills and broad knowledge of fabrications. Meryl Streep wore a coat Izzy designed in The Devil Wears Prada. And the late Gord Downey wore Izzy's metallic leather pieces on tour with the Tragically Hip. And of course, there were so many more collaborations in that arena. But in 2004, Izzy had an eye-opening experience when she met a quadriplegic wheelchair user, the late journalist Barbara Turnbull. Izzy began designing custom garments for Barb, and a whole new vista opened up. In 2009, Izzy launched is Adaptive, a line catering to fashion lovers with physical disabilities. It was an initiative that since helped countless people not only look and feel more beautiful, but move through the world with more comfort and ease. Izzy's currently featured as a style expert on AMI's Fashion Disc series, raising awareness about inclusivity and making the fashion world a kinder, more compassionate place. Camilleri, welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters, that you could join me at this really um, auspicious time, uh, I think, in your career, because you've had a magnificent career for many years. You've uh, been as creative as all get out, and everybody knows your name, no question, but you twigged on to something uh, maybe like, oh, wow, quite a while ago now, like it was 18 years ago. 2004 that you started doing adaptive clothing mm-hmm. and uh wow it, you know i hate to say it but you, you you were ahead of your time and people are finally getting it so how does that feel well you know it feels good that um you know the work that i'm doing is being recognized and also the importance of it the need for it the people that it serves you know have been waiting a long time and um, before i started doing it i didn't even know there was a problem so mm. you know it, it uh, you know, it's been an evolution for sure. Okay, so we're going to talk uh, a lot about that. And, and it's such a beautiful specialty uh, thing that you do that has been so embraced by, uh, by a number of communities now. And it's wonderful to see. But just let's go back to the early days when Izzy was a little girl. I don't, <laughs> I don't know when your love affair with fashion first, first uh, started. Tell me about that. Uh, well, uh, pretty young. My mom taught me how to sew when I was like eight or nine, something like that. And, and my mom comes, uh, she's from Malta and she was taken out of school at a very young age to help take care of her 13 brothers and sisters in Malta. So my grandmother, yeah, got her to 
learn how to sew so she could help make clothes for her brothers and sisters uh, from the local seamstress. And she learned how to draft without, like just cut the fabric. There was no patterns. It was just measuring. So my mom taught me um, a lot when I was a little girl and, um, and it just became a hobby that became a career pretty much, you know? I don't know if the, your early work was in the, the world of showbiz, but you certainly have made some incredible contributions to that arena and uh, have been so inspired and have inspired so many of us, me included, because you have designed some wonderful things for me over the years too. Tell me about your foray into designing costume. Well, a lot of that stuff, I work with the costume designers and that work comes to me. So in terms of like, I'm not, I don't design. I sometimes I'll participate in that, but, but a lot of times I'm just helping the, the, the costume designers facilitate the look that they need and maybe they can't do it internally. They, they need some extra help. So I can't take credit for designing all the things that, that, you know, you might see on my website. I have contributed to them and we have created them just to clarify that. But so when you, for example, you know, a lot of people say that incredible outfit, uh, or one of the many that Meryl Streep wore in Devil Wears Prada, yeah. you were working with the wardrobe department well, on that film. That one though is an exception. That coat is my coat. Mm. And the way that that happened is at the time I had a, I, I, had, I was in a press off, a press agency in New York and um, they carried a lot of lines that uh, a lot of, you know, people would pull for editorials or movies or whatever. And um, so my line was there in an agency in New York. And so that coat did get pulled and that was my coat. So that, that for sure. Yeah. I think you're yeah. too humble. I don't know. <laughs> you're saying, well, no, no, I didn't really do that much. And uh, you know, there was something uh, else that I read about something for David Bowie. Was that in mm. conjunction? Well, that was that? a situation where it was not my design, but I was approached to help, you know, make it come to life. So, yeah. But your designs, I mean, I became aware of you and started wearing your things back in the mid 80s when I started mm -hmm. hosting fashion television. I remember, you know, one outfit in particular that I really fell in love with, a leather and knit top that mm. had black leather pants that were just so funky. The fit was off the map. So good. So incredibly good. A zebra coat. Mm -hmm. That was a real uh, eye popper. And Fashion Cares, which was a great mm. uh, gala, an annual gala in Toronto for many, many years. It was very strongly themed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one year, the circus was the theme. Mm -hmm. And I went to you because I wanted a Pierrot costume. And you designed the most divine black and white satin Pierrot costume for me that still proudly hangs in my closet. Nice. And a corset, an incredible, mm -hmm. you know, to have a corset custom made, that's pretty fabulous. A gorgeous beaded corset. And mm -hmm. working with you, you know, always uh, such a joy. Um, also in, I think it must've been 1999, because I remember wearing these on the New Year's Eve going into uh, the, the new, you know, the millennium. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, you designed a pair of bell-bottom blue jeans for me that mm -hmm. were covered from the knee down in peacock feathers. And they were studded and jewel encrusted and these jeans were just and I still have them so nice. thanks you're welcome <laughs> in 2004 as you were designing and designing your own clothing line and doing some wonderful wonderful pieces especially with leather you know again I've got a great mm -hmm. uh, leather moto jacket from you you met a wonderful person the late great Barbara Turnbull mm -hmm. who uh was um a journalist uh working I 
believe for the Toronto Star at the time. Mm -hmm. She was in a wheelchair um, due to a horrifying accident that she had years earlier where she was shot working mm -hmm. at a convenience store. Um, and Barbara was a great journalist who came to you. Tell me about that meeting and, and what you learned from working with the late, great Barbara Turnbull. So yeah, Barb was looking for a custom shearling cape and uh, the fashion editor at the time recommended me because of my work in leather. Yeah, when Barb contacted me, I, I was aware of Barb and, and what had happened to her. And um, so I was a little nervous. I, um, I'd never worked with someone with a disability, someone who was a wheelchair user um, and her injury was quite high. So she couldn't move anything from her neck down. So I was really careful with my language. I was really you know, careful about handling her you know, even having to measure her, because uh, I literally had to like pick up her arms and move them and work with her in a way that I've never had to work with anybody before. So and Barb was great. So with this particular cape, she wanted to wear it while she was uh, taking her dog out for walks. And uh, one problem she has, which other other people in the same position she's in would have is sometimes when when a big gust of wind would come, you know, her coat, let's say, or anything she'd wearing would blow and she wouldn't be able to like control it. So we put pockets on the inside of her cape so her hands could be inside of her cape so that they could keep the coat down or the cape down. Another thing we did is we put really long, a really long like zipper pull. So her, her dog, Bella, would be able to take her coat off by pulling, grabbing onto the pulls and pulling her coat off and taking it off for her or even just unzipping it. So that was really special. So that was the beginning. And we ended up loving the pattern of the cape and we made a couple more. And then out of different fabrics, we made a denim one and a cashmere one. And then she started asking me about pants. And again, like I, I had no idea that she, she couldn't really wear what was, you know, available to all of us on the rack. So learning what the issues were about pants when you're sitting all day, or even when you're paralyzed, because there's things that kind of happen to your body, um, like organs settle, our stomach muscles don't hold our organs in and things like that. So I just became a sponge, really yeah. learning. And what a brilliant learning experience it was that you then took um, that, that education and uh, really began to serve a whole community mm -hmm. um, at a time when nobody was doing that. And still not many mm -hmm. are doing mm -hmm. it. Uh, you started your company is adaptive and what a feel good company that was not only for those of us who were watching the way you were mm -hmm. really rising, uh, you know, through the stormy waters of the fashion world, because you were keeping afloat with that company, I'm sure, mm -hmm. uh, at a time when fashion was just, you know, going a little crazy. Um, you were very focused. Uh, you began doing custom uh, work out of a little shop that you had. Mm -hmm. um, I remember it well in 2011, um, a very dear family friend of ours, uh, Morgan Duma, who has osteogenesis imperfecta, brittle mm -hmm. bones. Um, she was graduating from Ryerson um, in a journalism uh, course with a degree. And we were so proud of her. And I thought, you know what, for Morgan, she was about 24 at the time, the girls and I, my daughters and I would, you know, give gift her with a, a custom garment from you and uh, mm -hmm. Morgan had the most remarkable experience working with you and what you did for her just the way you could make people feel with mm -hmm. the right kind of clothing how did that all and how has that all touched you on an emotional level well very much and after after I worked with Barb I met another young woman who was very fashionable and she had a, a, a horrific fall um, she was an athlete and she broke her neck 
in around the same spot that Barb had had her injury. And I ended up making a coat for this woman. And um, after I gave her the coat about a week later, she she called me to tell me that um, people were literally stopping her on the street and I'm complimenting her on her new coat. And it really hit me that I'd given her more than a coat. You know, I, I gave her her sense of self. I gave her her, I gave her inclusion. I gave her, you know, dignity and so many things that, you know, that was the best compliment I'd ever received in my entire life. And I really realized how impactful this line of clothing could be. And yeah, we just don't realize it. I mean, that that's the complete irony about fashion. I mean, there's such a dichotomy there. Like in one way, it brings people together. It gives them a kind of commonality. You know, we all love fashion. We all love the same trends. We all love getting dressed up. And on the other hand, it can really divide people when mm-hmm. It's not inclusionary in that way. And you've, mm-hmm. you've enabled so many people now to feel the joy of mm-hmm. being dressed right, you know, in well-fitting garments, because that's, yeah. that's what yeah, it's And that was the other me. thing I was thinking about. It's also about fit, because a lot of times people find what they're looking for, but some, they'll have to buy it a size or two bigger so that they can get it on. And sometimes just the physical act of getting dressed can be almost impossible, like literally impossible so uh, you know they'll buy something that's too big and then they look you know disheveled and and you know they've got to go to job interviews they've got to you know they they need to represent themselves and who they are and and so to have to go to an interview with clothes that are two sizes too big for you it doesn't you know help also for uh, older people or people who have lost their uh, fine motor skills who have trouble doing their garments up. Hey, they have mm-hmm. trouble fussing with teeny little buttons and buttonholes. And you have this wonderful uh, collection. And I'm sure you still feature that particular aspect in your clothing where it's just snaps. So you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about, you know, fussing with little hooks and mm-hmm. eyes. Or, yeah. Or even or magnets. And sometimes mm-hmm. snaps can be hard, but, but magnets yeah. just kind of come together. Yeah. Every great conversation needs a pause, so this is a perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe that great fashion should be accessible to everyone. And TSC.ca is home to some wonderful Canadian brands and designers like Kim Newport Mimran, Brian Bailey, Kayla Kay, Ron White, and Hilary McMillan. And of course, TSE offers so much more than mere fashion. Discover quality Canadian jewellery and accessories from Pico, Brass and Unity, and I. You can find more Canadian designers and brands in the CAFA store at tse.ca slash CAFA. And let's all shop better together. were also um, celebrated with a fashion show at the Royal Ontario Museum. I don't mean a fashion show. I mean a fashion exhibit that mm-hmm. was curated, that was properly mounted, that, that was there for quite a while and garnered mm-hmm. a lot of attention. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about uh, how, how that came about. Alexander Palmer, or Dr. Alexander Palmer, who uh, works at the ROM, she heard about what I was doing, but she didn't know what it was. She goes to a yoga class 
class really close to my studio. So one day after yoga, she came by, asked her to ask me about it. And so I, I happened to, have, we happened to have some pants that we were cutting out and there was a pattern on our table. And she looked at the pattern and she said, you know, this really reminds me of how pants were cut in the 1800s for riding a horse. And she said, it's actually almost identical to the cut. And it was like, oh, you know, we were both kind of like, wow, that's really interesting. And then I was showing her my coats and it was just, same thing, um, where coats were cut for royalty for sittings. So they really fit while you were sitting, or uh, the kind of same cut was done towards the back to accommodate a bustle. So she found it really intriguing. And um, she asked me if I'd ever like done, you know, consider a fashion show or, you know, just where I could exhibit, you know, this work. And I, I had tried to um, do an exhibit, like a, an exhibit at, in the lobby of like during fashion week, for example. And even having, cause sometimes my clothes look quite interesting when you're standing as well. They kind of drape in a really interesting way. So I wanted to do like a standing mannequin and sitting mannequin, but I couldn't convince them, the people at the, who run the fashion week at, in Toronto to do that. Mm. And then she said, well, I think the ROM would really like, you know, I'm sure they would consider doing something like this. So then we started putting it together and um, the ROM uh, agreed like right when we presented it. So I helped, um, I helped Alexandra uh, create the exhibit and it was really pretty overwhelming. Like the, the, the day that it was going to open, I was able to like walk and, you know, and I was there during the whole installation and everything just to make sure that everything was accurate. And, but when, when it was all done and just walking around, it was so like, holy cow, like this is, this is incredible. Cause it also had my past work and then, you know, the adaptive stuff as well. And then it also had historical pieces too, to, to show the, you know, the patterns and everything. Well, it's extraordinary when you think of how, you know, uh, designers wait a lifetime and sometimes they don't even see it in a lifetime <laughs> to have their works displayed at a museum, you know, in that mm-hmm. way. And uh, mm-hmm. we're all obviously so proud of you. You now uh, are experiencing a, a, another wonderful wave of celebration, let's call it, with your involvement in a very hip new show, uh, mm-hmm. Fashion Disc on the AMI mm-hmm. network that really is about dressing people and making them feel great about themselves. And uh, tell me about uh, that show and, and what appealed to you about it so much. I mean, I don't know how that, that even came about. Were you approached to just mm-hmm. be on it or did you yeah. dream it up? No, I was approached. It's like a makeover show. So we're, so there was myself, I was a style expert and then a makeup person and a, and a hair person. And the host, um, she's the one who um, reached out to me or had the, the producers reached out to me to see if I would consider being the style expert on it. So we had six participants and um, they each, you know, approached us with the issues they have with clothing, with, with makeup, or even just, you know, there was a couple of, there was one guy in particular where he didn't wear makeup. But he, you know, it was more about grooming and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And also just hair and, and just how, you know, all of that put together can really help you be the person you want to be, you know, go out into the working world, feel confident, feel great. And yeah, so the show has been really well received and um, we're probably looking at a season two. And it's, it's been really eye-opening for people that, you know, just have no idea that people with disabilities have clothing challenges or, you know, can't put eyeliner on or literally can't brush their hair, but there are ways, there's tools out there that can help. Mm. And so it's been really educational on so many levels. You've also designed a pair of uh, revolutionary pants that uh, people are just wild about. Um, they mm-hmm. really 
help people in, in such a, a, a wonderful way. Tell me about these uh, great pants that you've done. Well, we're calling them the game changers. And for years, when I started doing my adaptive line, I had people asking me to create a pant with a seamless back. And I just, I couldn't really think that, that, I, that it was possible because that seam at the back at the center is integral for drafting a pant because it takes, it, it may, you know, it divides right and left. It creates, you know, the, the thigh of your pants. It also provides dimension between the front and the back of a pant. So they connect. And yeah, like when you're drafting a pattern, it's, it is all about dimension and being able to fit a body and, and, you know, follow the contours of the body. So I, I've had so many people throughout the years asking me to create a seamless back. And the reason is because the bones that press down when you're sitting, which is our, the, the base of our spine, our sitting bones, you can get a pressure sore from that. And what happens is the bone literally breaks through the skin. And when that happens, it's very similar to like a, a bed sore that, a, that the elderly have. Mm -hmm. And that's why the elderly get constantly turned through the night so that they're not, so they don't get a pressure sore. And here's here, this is like a, one area where they get it or their hip or their back if they're lying on their back. But when you're paralyzed, you don't even feel that this is happening. And, and that's what's really dangerous. And when you do develop a pressure sore and when the bone does penetrate the skin, it can take anywhere between eight months to a year to heal. And during that time, often you can't sit. So a lot of times I know one woman that she literally was on her stomach for three months because you can't sit on it because you need it to heal. And um, it's really, it's horrible. And it's also life-threatening. You can die from a pressure sore. Like Christopher Reeve, for example, that's how he died. I don't know if you know that. He died wow. from, from a pressure sore. And what happens is you, it's an infection and you can develop sepsis, which mm -hmm. is blood poisoning and you can die. So um, this is why so many people were asking me to create something because also another thing is when you do get one, um, the odds of it coming back throughout your life are about 80% because your bone isn't going anywhere. Your skin has been compromised. So sometimes people have to really pay attention to how many hours they're sitting on their bottom and they have to check their bottom every day to see if there's any red spots, which is, you know, a sign that. Uh, there's a problem. Um, even back pockets on jeans actually uh, can cause because where your sitting bones are is often right where all the bulk of the of of the seams are, and your bone is you know pressing against that. So when COVID hit, and just when it hit, and we were all like not sure what we were going to do with our lives, and I was sitting at home, and, and maybe a few days before, I had a conversation with a guy asking me to make him a pair of seamless pants, back pants. And so I was sitting thinking, I've got a little bit of time right now, and I think I'm going to wrap my head around this. And I did. And um, so it was at the beginning of COVID that I, I cracked it, and I figured it out. And, um, and I also talked to a bunch of people about it. And one guy in particular had very serious uh, pressure sore problems. And he's, he's an athlete. And, um, and so I started, you know, running ideas past him. I talked to like the medical community and learned more about them and asked. And then when I came up with the concept of how to achieve it, you know, again, I, I consulted with these people to see if I was kind of going down the right track. And then I started sampling and I, I got this one guy to, to try them on. And then when he gave me his seal of approval, I, I started making more to have more people try them on. 
as well as women, because I did it for both men and women. And, um, you know, in a business, in a world really, that is so consumed with glamour, you know, when it comes to fashion, and so many designers are driven by that and that alone, that kind of aesthetic beauty and, and creativity and, you know, fashion for fashion's sake. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to put that down because we've seen no. some great artistry as a result of that. Mm-hmm. But I just find it so um, heart swelling that you are so passionate about not only making people look good. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of that too. And you're, you're a wonderful designer and a great visual um, interpreter as well, but, but that you really care about people in terms of making their lives better and easier. I guess your mother really brought you up well, (laughs) you know, you're just such a, you know, you're, you're just such a wonderful person for doing that. I don't know. I don't know if that was a realization that just really came to you, you know, back in the day when you first started working with Barb and becoming aware of these things or your evolution as a, you know, as a, as a human being is quite extraordinary. Right. Well, yeah, when I did meet Barb, it, it really, uh, you know, made me aware of something that I, I wasn't aware of. I just became so much more compassionate for people that live with a disability. When we see someone, they're dressed, but we don't realize what it actually took to get dressed. So at the time, I was having having a lot of trouble just financially with, with my, my own uh, regular line and just, you know, there was a recession and all this stuff going on and you know, there, there was lots of the kind of things going on. And at the same time, I, I started working with Adrian and Manella. We were, we created Yzma, which was a fur line. And at the same time, I was starting as adaptive. And I just felt like I was dealing with two completely different demographics of people, you know, people that could afford this luxury fur and that, you know, really had fashion at their fingertips. They could have whatever they want. And then I was dealing with people that had you know, it was all white space. There was hardly anything for this community. So I was feeling very divided at the time. And, and when I, when I did kind of let go of, of my fashion collection, I felt good about what I had done and achieved in fashion. And, you know, my, my stuff was being pulled for editorials next and being worn with Gucci and Chanel and all these amazing designers that, you know, felt, I felt like I had done good work and I was really proud of my work, but I really felt that there was a need that was not being addressed and that I can put my talents and, and um, experience to a demographic of people that, that really needed it. And then when, when I did open my company, it was 2009 and for is adaptive. And I was thinking it's 2009. Like, why hasn't anybody wrapped their head around this? But I really understood it. It kind of took a certain recipe of skills and talent that I had, you know, from pattern drafting and designing and and even maybe just being the kind of person I am. And, and, you know, I I needed to be a really good listener to understand the problems and patient just by, you know, just trying to make these things work. And I realized, too, that from a pattern drafting perspective, I had to kind of throw away all the the ways I was doing patterns in terms of like the blocks that we create to make pants and skirts and things like those were not working when you're sitting all day long. So, you know, I really had to start from scratch and rebuild it. Um, But, and I really felt like I was kind of guided and pushed along. I knew that I was onto something. I didn't, I didn't know what I had a little bit light of firecracker under my butt to just do it. Yeah. I I mean, to really stick with it, to have this big, idea and really keep your focus and keep on the path and I know that you had a lot of people cheering you on you know from the disabled community and people Mm -hmm. uh, who really were looking to you to Mm -hmm. for help but I think there's 
obviously something about the zeitgeist now where inclusivity has mm-hmm. become so important that God finally, because for a long, mm-hmm. long time, it just wasn't. I mean, fashion mm-hmm. was very exclusionary in, in that way. What are your thoughts on that, Izzy? I mean, what is it just, you know, the kind of idea whose time has come? Like, do you feel that there's more of a kind of a, a good vibe in the world right now where people really are looking to not take things for granted and looking to include people? Yeah, well, and I, I also think that social media has played a big big part in it because people that live with a disability now have a voice that they never had before you know we're all all learning about so many things because it's all being exposed to us whereas before you know there weren't a lot of voices out there uh sharing what's going on in their life and so i think that this adaptive arena is an extension of plus size and you know again another demographic that that needed to be served. Sometimes I, I get, you know, people say that the fashion community has been ignoring people with disabilities. And I really don't like that sentence because I was the same thing. I, was, I wasn't ignoring, I just didn't know a problem existed. So for all the other designers out there that are being accused of, you know, ignoring this community, it's, it's not about that. It's really just not knowing that there's issues. And, and then when, if you do want to tackle this area, you really have to take the time to educate yourself on, on what the problems are. And some people also think that people with disabilities, like there's so many different ones. And how do you, you know, how can you create a line of clothes for people when they're all so, so different? And, but, but they're really not, you know, there are differences and there's no way that I'm going to, unless I do custom work, which I don't really do anymore because mm-hmm. I do a line but it can be cost prohibitive to do custom work for everybody. But on the most part, you know, we've already kind of made the customizations to the line so that a large community, a a large amount of people can wear it and and be comfortable in it and feel good and feel included and feel, you know, all of that. And I imagine that your clientele now is pretty far reaching, Mm -hmm. way beyond the Canadian borders Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. such a specialty. Yeah. And it's online too. So, you know, the world is, is able to view it and purchase it. So we get customers from all over the place, which is really great. I am just so proud of you and so impressed with what you've done. And you really are such a bright light on the Canadian fashion landscape as you have been from back in the day when you were dressing me for fashion television. (laughs) But, uh, But what you've done for people, for their spirit and really for for the ease in which they can now perhaps move through the world, at least, you know, to some degree, you really, mm-hmm. uh, you just put a beautiful spin on things for so many people. So thank you for that. Thank you for recognizing that. I appreciate it. And thank you for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters, Izzy Camilleri. An absolute pleasure. Keep up the great work. Thanks for having me, Jeannie. Thanks for listening. New episodes of podcasts will be coming at you every other Monday. You can watch Style Matters Thursday on TSC or online at the tsc.ca website. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.